I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 97. My guest is Kathleen Nichols, author of Go Your Crone Way, A Gutsy Guide to Living with Crohn's Disease, and My Flare Lady, a handbook for today's diseased dame. Kathleen was diagnosed with Crohn's disease by way of arthritis. She began a blog as a way to process her disease journey. A publisher expressed interest in her writing a book. But as she'll tell you, her books are not like the others you'll find in the self-help section. Rather, she approaches chronic illness with a rare sensitivity and humor. Because we're writers with similar tastes in music and TV, we talked for a while and this is the first of two episodes with Kathleen. You'll be treated to more of her story in episode 98. One content note, in the UK, People who were considered clinically vulnerable to serious illness with the novel coronavirus were asked by the National Health Service to take strict measures to avoid COVID-19. They called that shielding. Kathleen shielded in 2020, but as restrictions eased, she's resumed her life again. And now from Scotland, let's hear from published author Kathleen Nichols. Kathleen, thank you so much for coming on about IBD. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to, to speak to you. I oh I don't know how I'm going to get through this interview without totally just stopping every time just to listen to your accent because <laughs> it is amazing, um, which which I've told you because mm-hmm. I lovingly follow you on social media mm-hmm. and every time you post your videos it's always just fun to listen to. <laughs> Thank you, I'm flattered. Yeah, um, it's it's <laughs> a unique accent, yeah. But yeah, as long as you can understand me, that's the main thing. That's that's all I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> So I wonder if you would start by giving me an overview of your Crohn's journey. And I use that word journey because it can be so twisty and windy and it's been different Mm -hmm. for everybody. But maybe a little bit about your diagnosis and maybe some of the symptoms you've had over the years. I know you're a long-term patient and any of the complications that you want to talk about. I first started exhibiting some sort of Crohn's related symptoms when I was around 25. So I think I've, I've, I've always been quite a sickly child. <laughs> I've always been kind of unwell since I was, well, as far back as I can remember. Just issues with food and never having an appetite or always losing weight quite rapidly and never able to keep weight on. But yeah, when I was around twi- in my mid-20s, I started to have extreme pain in my joints and my legs. And I was back and forward to the doctor who told me to try frozen peas and <laughs> that it was maybe just growing pains. I don't know how big they were expecting me to grow at 25. <laughs> but um, so it was, I was quite frustrating to get to a point of being diagnosed with initially arthritis. So then quite quickly after that, I started to have symptoms in my stomach where uh, every time I ate, ate or drank absolutely anything, I was in extreme pain. I was losing weight rapidly and... I couldn't, I just couldn't eat at all without almost passing out from the pain. So again, back and forward to doctors and hospitals. And initially it was decided that I had appendicitis. <laughs> and I was literally about a day away from getting my appendix out when a doctor suggested it might be Crohn's. So then they started the usual tests, colonoscopies and endoscopies. And it was actually a medical student that accidentally told me I had Crohn's. <laughs> they hadn't given me the the official diagnosis he just let it slip I think he was trying to be helpful but um he probably got sacked <laughs> but um so that was horrendous for me because then all I wanted to do was google so um no one in my life or or myself knew what Crohn's was so I was straight on the internet and that was the worst thing I could possibly do but 
yeah, so after that, I've, I've been through, that's that's over a decade ago now that I got my Crohn's diagnosis. And I'm, I've been through a, um, a myriad of treatments and none of them have really worked for very long periods of time. But I'm now on ustekinumab injections and that's been the first thing that's got me to a point where I'm feeling relatively normal, which is amazing. Yeah, what does normal look like? <laughs> what 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 is normal? Because you were twenty five, and yeah. it's like like you're barely even adult. You barely even know what's going yeah. on. So, like, I almost feel like, how does a person diagnosed so young even know what it's like to be normal? Yeah, I suppose it's not the right the right word. Really, I don't because I don't really know what a normal body <laughs> should function like. <laughs> um, I don't know if they even had such a thing to be honest, but um. I suppose for me, the the normality is in I'm able to eat and drink most things without passing out or clutching my stomach like I'm in a Victorian drama or um, constantly being at the toilet or yeah just just able to go to work and eat eat a dinner not have to think about about it too much or uh, my symptoms have been under control I suppose is what I would consider to be normal so my symptoms have been relatively under control for about two and a half years now which is incredible for me because it's it's been a constant decade of pain so it's just now now I've just got the anxiety the, the constant bubbling anxiety that this is going to stop working at some point and then it's going to be on to something else but the things have moved on so much since I was diagnosed that there's these treatments weren't even around when I was first um, diagnosed with Crohn's so I know that things are changing all the time and it will eventually hopefully we'll maybe get a cure or there'll be some other treatments down the line but um, for now, normality for me is just being able to eat without <laughs> without constant pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. There's always more stuff in the pipeline that's mm-hmm. coming along. And it sounds really bonkers to mm-hmm. think about it that way and say, well, if this stops working in a couple of years, maybe something new will be approved and I can yeah. try that. But I mean, sometimes I feel like that's like that's all we have. You know, that's yeah. all we have to hold on to. So we are hopefully, I'm not really sure how it is for you in Scotland right mm-hmm. now with the pandemic. I haven't really been keeping up <laughs> uh, sort of in, internationally. I wonder if you would tell me more about what this past year has been like for you. Mm-hmm. And I know recently things have started to change and you all have been able to do more activities mm-hmm. and things have started opening up. But uh, tell me what it has been like during the pandemic in Scotland and then what life is looking like for you today. Okay. Well, even in um, in Britain as a whole, we're all we're separated and the rules around um, restrictions here. So Scotland has been a little bit behind England and Wales, I think, because we've been very, very cautious in moving things forward. So we've, I've, I've been shielding for a, around a year. So I've been in the house by myself. Um, so that shielding ended for me about three, three, four weeks ago. So that's me back to like my office now. And I'm able to leave the house and leave the cat, which is devastated about. But um, yeah, so it's been for me personally, when we first went into lockdown last March time, my long-term relationship had just ended. <laughs> So I'm laughing about it now. It's not funny at all. But um, <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's ludicrous it's the, the way it happened. So we, we separated and then the the whole world went into lockdown. So we were stranded together in this heartbreak hotel, um, which was some, uh, some 
strange form of torture for both of us. But um, and because I was shielding, I was kind of relying on him for everything that I needed, food, drink, everything. So, um, yeah, it was horrendous for the first few months. And then I was able to move out in July time. So I've been on my own in my little flat since then with just the cat. So it's been it's been horrendous for everybody. I'm, I know I'm, I'm not trying to make out like I've had it worse than anybody else, but um, for me it was just it was just a, a bizarre situation. But since I've been on my own, it's been quite helpful for me to have this time to learn about myself and learn what I want for the rest of my life. And I look inward rather than distracting myself or the usual cliches you would do when your heart's broken. <laughs> go out and go out with your friends or whatever else. I've not had that. So I've had kind of FaceTime calls or yeah, it's it's yeah, it was it was horrendous at first, but now now I realise it's probably been a blessing for me to have time to kind of grieve everything by myself. And while the rest of the world is grieving for other reasons, it's it's like this constant. It's been this constant kind of. I don't want to say comfort because that sounds horrendous, <laughs> but I suppose it, it's it's comforting to know that everybody's feeling sad in the same at the same time in the same way. And now that things are starting to kind of calm down, it's such a relief, and it feels like everybody's shoulders are. Are, are easing because we know that the cases are going down and people are getting vaccinated and it's every you can feel a sense of relief everywhere over the globe it's it's, it's amazing now but it's been a long long process for everybody yeah that's a very bizarre thing to <laughs> go through in the first place yeah breaking up and then it having it happen the way that it did <laughs> did you did See, you almost funny. <laughs> I, well I mean it isn't it isn't but it's like oh, did no. you almost feel like and I I do I lovingly follow you on social media so mm-hmm. I knew that the, that you were going through this and I just couldn't imagine having to to deal with this mm-hmm. in that way having the breakup and then also dealing with everything surrounding, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having to stay at home. We didn't know in the beginning how people with IBD would be affected. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. pretty scary. Mm-hmm. But as I was, I was reading your first book, I was mm-hmm. reading Go Your Crone Way. And uh-huh. it was, a, uh, you know, a strange experience to read how you were writing about your relationship and then oh, yeah. my knowing that that relationship was over for you. Yeah. And then also, did you kind of feel like, well, of course it would happen to me this way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there has to be some element of comedy in, in it <laughs> to have happened like this. I think we both thought it was funny, but we couldn't, couldn't laugh at it together because <laughs> we were both heartbroken. But yeah, I've, I've had that thought myself that my book's dedicated to him as well. So it's, it's kind of bittersweet to know that that's still in the world and people are going to read about my relationship as if it's this perfect, wonderful thing and it's not non-existent now. But but that was a snapshot of my life and life moves on. But um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been horrendous, but at the same time, it's a good story. <laughs> future, future generations to hear what happened in my pandemic. Well, not only that, but maybe you might get a third book out of well, this I've actually, experience. Well, I've actually already written one. <laughs> I wrote it during the pandemic because I wanted some way to get my... It was the same thing as writing the Crohn's book. I had to get my thoughts out in some way rather than just um, tweeting or <laughs> crying to my friends. So I've actually wrote a book about it, but I don't know if I'm going to do anything with it because it might just dredge everything up again and I don't know if I want to do that. So maybe in a few years, <laughs> people will want to read about a heartbroken pandemic, girl. 
Oh, I think that's totally true. I think (laughs) on the one hand, there are people that say that they don't want to consume any media for fun that has anything to do with a pandemic or with viruses or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But then there are other people that just can't get enough, you know, (laughs) and like they're good with it. Let's talk for a minute about your writing process, though. Mm -hmm. And what it was like to write the two books that you have now. And we can even talk about the one that you've written that you're not really sure what you want to do with yet, which I hope will see the light of day just personally. You know, I could edit it for you. I just just throw that out there for you. Um, But what was your writing process? What compelled you maybe to sort of write your first book? Um, well, it's first of all, it's so kind that you call it a process <laughs> to me. <it> just, <laughs> um, I suppose I started, I've, I've always loved to write and I started writing quite religiously when I'd had my surgery for Crohn's. That was probably 2010, I think. And it was my ex-partner actually and my brother, who's a very, very good writer, much better than me, um, Mark Nichols. He um, encouraged me to write a blog which I'd never done, but that was a good way for me to write in kind of short bursts and get some feelings out. And I had no idea, again, what that was going to be. I just, and I didn't think anybody would read it, which is probably why it was quite freeing because I didn't think anybody would look at it other than maybe him. So yeah, I started writing the blog and then I kind of got hooked on that and people started to read it, which was staggering. Then I had written so much that a publisher contacted me and asked if I wanted to write it in a longer form so um yeah it, it kind of came together quite naturally because I had done so much background writing I could tweak tweak all of those blogs and um add to it so it was really enjoyable and then another couple of publishers contacted me which was unbelievable I think it was a great timing because it is quite a niche topic and there really isn't a lot of books about Crohn's or at that time there certainly wasn't because um it was just diet books or yeah how to cure your gut or which juice to drink to rid yourself of this, that and the next thing. So it was, I think the publisher thought it was quite a refreshing way that I was writing about it because there's humour in there and I try not to take myself too seriously as you might have already established. <laughs> um, and I, I wanted to write a book that I would have wanted when I was diagnosed and scared and feeling isolated. Something that made me think that there is going to be life beyond the diagnosis, which is something I didn't have at the time. I thought it was a death sentence and everything I read was telling me it was a death sentence. So yeah, I just wanted something to give some people a bit of comfort when they are diagnosed. And also people who have loved ones that are diagnosed, that have been diagnosed or don't quite understand what the disease involves. So it's not a medical text, absolutely not a medical text. Um, It's more about relationships and how to navigate your life after a diagnosis. Um, which I think has been missing for a while with a lot of conditions, not just Crohn's. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And that's exactly what I like about it Mm -hmm. is that it is not a how to eat the right things or how to exercise the right way or do yoga (laughs) or not that, not that there's a time and place for all of those things, Mm -hmm. but you are sifting through the the journey and all of the different emotions and all of the things that happen 
with your family mm-hmm. and with uh, medical personnel that you are dealing with during your diagnosis and then after and the treatments and all of that and and literally just your personal experiences. Yeah. And everyone's IBD journey is different. I've never mm-hmm. talked to two people that had the same one, <laughs> although we usually have similar themes, similar threads. But I was so often laughing because there was so much in your books that really spoke to me and did sort of resonate with my same experience. I was laughing particularly about how many times you say that you don't like to drink water because... (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I hate to ruin things, but I've actually really started drinking water in this last week. I'm absolutely (laughs) furious to find that it does make me feel better. (laughs) So I don't want to ruin the the facade, but yeah, unfortunately, I've I've stepped over the line and now I do drink water, unfortunately, but... um, yeah, <laughs> I think it, I was just, I've always been quite averse to um, motivational quotes and yeah. um, live, laugh, love stuff. So I yes. kind of wanted to make it. And, and, and annoyingly, at this very start of the book, I wrote that it's not a self-help book, just to give people an impression straight away that I'm not going to tell you what to do or how to navigate your journey or give you platitudes that could be look nice on Instagram. But it's always in the self-help help section. <laughs> <laughs> really drives me to distraction because I think people are going to buy this thinking I'm going to help them and I'm just I'm just really not but um, maybe it does help some people in some way but um, maybe not in the way that you would buy a self-help book to help you yeah I think it does help absolutely to read someone else's experiences and you lay pretty much everything out on the table which I appreciate <laughs> um, so but yeah at the same time you're not you know, giving advice, which I also enjoy because there is plenty of that from all corners, whether we want it or not. (laughs) But tell me this, though, when the people that are close to you read your book, and I'm assuming that they do, and, and, but this is also a funny thing because I also know from my own experience Look, a lot of family and friends of my own don't consume my content. So, I, <laughs> but Great when question. when they, <laughs> but when they do, and they see themselves in what you've written, oh yeah, what have the reactions been like? I'm so curious about this. Um, oh, that's interesting. I've not really thought about that too much. Usually positive. I think. I think maybe my mum would be the only one who. Wasn't <laughs> she's good listen to this, so I can't say anything remotely negative. She's a wonderful person. But she I think she was slightly concerned about how she was portrayed in the sense that she was a, a mega warrior, which she is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about that. But I, I think I describe her in the book as um treating me as if I was like a, a precious vase that was going to break at any moment. But that is how she treats me. And that's how a mother treats their child because they don't want anything to happen to them. So, yeah, I think the only thing that was kind of flagged up was that I was maybe a bit, <laughs> I maybe spoke about her too much, but um, but none of it was negative. I would never be negative about her. I don't think of her other than that she's amazing. So, but yeah, on the whole, I don't think there's been any. The only negative feedback I get is usually about my own face on, on the internet from strange men. <laughs> 
or <laughs> or occasionally I get in trouble if somebody's read the book and they don't like that I, I differentiate between IBD and IBS, which I do because they're different things. <laughs> but I think people are can get offended if they have IBS, as if I'm discounting the condition, which I don't think I, I, I don't think I am. I've not read my own book for a while. Maybe I should go back and read it, but. Um, and somebody actually gave me some negative feedback the other day that I, when I was speaking about diet, I suggested wine and biscuits. <laughs> and again, really, it's how you interpret it because I wasn't suggesting that a good diet is wine and biscuits. It's just my diet, <laughs> or at least it was, until I discovered water. TM. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think if you say at the beginning of the book, it's not a self-help book, yeah. then yeah, come on, you know, and exactly. you've only got yourself to blame. You've only got, your, you know what? <laughs> read more carefully. That should be your answer exactly. to that. Maybe you should exactly. read more carefully. Thank you. I, you know, the section about IBS. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> looking back, I can see it was probably a bit harsh. <laughs> I, well, but I understood where you were coming from, mm, you know, at the same yeah. time. Like, especially after you've been through surgeries and mm. with as much pain as you experience with your disease, it sounds like that you know, from reading your books, it sounds like that's one of the main things that that was really getting in the way of your quality of life was mm -hmm. how much pain you were in. That mm -hmm. and how much you throw up. Like you seem to throw yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I did throw up a lot, actually. Yeah. You remember those happy memories come flooding back. Yeah. You know, and part um, of it too is like, I know you're okay. So like reading it and, re <laughs> and reading your, your puking stories, like I know that you are mm -hmm. right and that you're doing okay. So it, like, I feel like it was okay to laugh about. <laughs> I'm just now realizing that um, when I wrote this book, I was in a long-term relationship and now, now I'm not. So there's probably quite a few things I maybe wouldn't have put in there. <laughs> I thought potential romantic partners may have seen them in the future. <laughs> I've been, wait, I know a bit too much detail, but there you go. Oh, that's a good point yeah. oh never gosh made. never made if you can't handle me at my my, my vomiting profusely best then you don't deserve me <laughs> when i'm drinking water <laughs> oh, now i'm gonna have to find somebody else that hates drinking water like i do gosh i just drank some water there for you i know right you know Why? what I, and you know what i'm drinking diet coke um, <laughs> <the> recording right now <laughs> <laughs> I thought about getting some wine. I thought that might be make for a more fun conversation. But um, eventually, I I just might screw up all the technical parts of this. So I kind of you know got rid of that uh, got rid of that idea. So it's interesting though that you had publishers contacting you after reading your yeah. blog. And had you written very much before you were sort of blogging, sort of therapeutically? Um, no, no, not for. Like since my school days, no, never. Wow. So I, I just thought it was, um, I thought it was a wind up at first, to be honest. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a small publisher. But then, yeah. So then I thought, well, if somebody's interested in it, I can try some other ones. So I, I sent it away to every publisher under the sun, and um, yeah, the response was really all positive. Obviously, I got plenty of rejections, but the the majority of the feedback was that it was a, a great idea. So I just kept plugging on with it. Didn't ever think it was going to come of anything. So yeah, it was a complete whirlwind it was so exciting and I'm so happy it's in the world and people are still reading it the best thing is when people take the book out of a library and then send me a picture because I get so excited I'm so obsessed with libraries and during the lockdown it was it was awful because everything was shut so people were 
buying the book online, but yeah, it's wonderful. I just thought after one printing, it would be pulped. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad that it still exists. I didn't think it would be reprinted again after the first time, but there you go. And it's everywhere in the world, which is amazing. Hey, super listener. Thanks to Kathleen Nichols for sharing her story and for her work in writing her books about her journey with IBD. You can purchase Go Your Crown Way and My Flair Lady both in print and as ebooks. You can also follow Kathleen on Instagram and Twitter as Kath Fantastic, as well as on YouTube and on her blog, kathfantastic.com. And I highly recommend you do. As always, I will put these links in the show notes and on my episode 97 page on aboutibd.com. You can follow me, Amber Tresca, across all social media as About IBD. I'm an independent journalist, so I rely on the community to spread the word about my work. All the content I produce on aboutibd.com, verywellhealth.com, and on this show is available for free. You can help by rating and reviewing About IBD in your favorite podcast app or by liking and sharing my social media posts. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Malintel Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Matt Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio. I've tried to read more and be more... <laughs> I really have because I watched... Oh my God, you're drinking water and reading books? What the hell? <laughs> I'm ruining my own life.